This week, a special bonus episode that emerged from a fortuitous visit I paid to the American Council's office in Washington, D.C. For a gathering of foreign students participating in the Workshop for Youth Leaders in English Teaching, or YLET, program. I met a classroom of engaged and enthusiastic students, and when it came time to decide who I would interview, just imagine a room full of raised arms and a chorus of me. So I made them a deal. I would ask each of them one single question, and it would be this question. Tell me about a time in the United States when you said to yourself, I wish my friends or family back home could see me now. Here, then, are their responses. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. I used to be such a grumpy person, and I came to America by myself, like literally left everything behind me, like started a new life. Like people say, you can't start a new life. You Physically, you can start a new life. Really, you have a new family, new school, new friends, everything. So I started like a new paper, like a new chapter in my book. I was like laughing all the time and joking. Like people, my host parents say, oh, you're always in the same mood, like always smiling. And I wish my parents could see me now because they think I'm the most grumpiest uh, person ever and like always like disappointed and sad and complaining and negativity. Because, oh, fun fact, my host, my host dad, he calls me sunshine. And I feel like when I come back to Lithuania, I'll be a sunshine to everyone. So I'll just spread positivity. This week, a woman wrestler draining three-point buckets and a eulogy for Gladys. Join us on journeys from all over the world to Washington, D.C., and a collection of small but life-changing moments. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. So I'm Ruby Mitchell. And I'm one of the teacher mentors with the Wylet program. So that's a program. It's the Workshop for Youth and Leadership in English Training. It brings students who are on exchange here with the Yes and the Flex program. So they're already in the U.S. for a one-year exchange program. And they apply to come and get extra training to be teachers for when they return back to their home countries. So at the point of this training, they come for one week. And they've already been here for eight months. So their English is pretty incredible <laughs> and they're really lively they're really fun and they're from all over the world and so we have I think over 25 countries represented here at the workshop Alexander Gulbiani, or Ago, from Georgia, the country, not the state, and currently I'm hosted at Las Vegas, Nevada, my high school's basic academy of international studies. My name is Arham, and I'm from Kashmir, India, and I live in Des Moines, Iowa. 
and my high school is Theodore Roosevelt High School. I'm a senior there. My name is Sarah Kuby. I'm from Morocco and I live in Arizona and I go to Tino Valley High School. So my name is Zainab. I'm from Tunisia. It's a small tiny country in North Africa and I'm hosted in Ohio, Worthington, Ohio. It's the suburb of Columbus. Uh, my name is Martina Gachonita, and I'm from Lithuania. I live in Florida, Merritt Island, and I go to Merritt Island High School. Hello, my name is Anastasia Vadapyanova, and I'm from Ukraine, and I'm currently placed in Missouri. Okay, my name is Pajar Chukhlambaymukh from Sukhpater province from Mongolia, and I'm hosted in Michigan, and my high, I go to high school in Yale. Just a year back, I used to be terribly afraid of dogs and cats, if I should say generally animals. We didn't have any pets at our house. We don't have any pets because that's how it is in most of the households. We are not so fond of pets in Kashmir and in most of the India. So when I came to the United States, I, I knew that almost every household has a pet here. But on my application, it was not mentioned that we have two pets in our house. I was so happy to see my host mom, my host brother, and they welcomed me. And then I noticed that there's a dog and, and there's a cat, and they were both staring at me. And as dogs do, they try to sniff at you. And the dog came close to me and, and started sniffing me. And, and it just, just made me so terrified. And, and I thought, okay, this is it. I can't live in this house because it has animals. And the cat tried to come on my lap and sit on my lap. And it was something that I had never experienced before. I thought that, okay, my, my year in America is not going to be the way I thought it would be. I remember thinking that this is not what I came here for. I expected it to be nice, that I would enjoy, and it's my first day and I'm feeling so bad. I'm, I'm feeling so disappointed. And, and I remember I was just thinking that I would contact my coordinator and I would tell her that I don't want to live in this family because it has pets. Then I, I, I sat and I thought, and I thought a lot about it. I, I thought about my problems that, okay, if there is a problem, am I here to run away from those problems or to face the problems? And I, I really thought about it that, okay, maybe this is my chance to get along with animals, to start loving animals, because I come from a place where we never get to experience this. So the next day I went down to the kitchen, it was breakfast time. And, and the dog was there on leash inside the house because my host mom knew that I was afraid of dogs. I, I tried to get close to the dog and it barked and it started barking and barking and got me terrified again. And my host mom, what she did is that she set the dog loose and, and now the dog was not on her leash. And I stood up and I had to go to the kitchen to get a glass of water. And I was in the kitchen and the dog came and and just stood next to me. And I'm like, okay, this is my chance. Now I can get close to the dog, maybe pet the dog. And it started 
it came closer to me and tried to sniff me again. But I was not that prepared at that time. And I started running. And, and I'm running in the house and, and I'm being chased by a dog. And I'm shouting. And, and I'm shouting my host mom's name, please come and help me, please someone catch the dog. I don't want to die. The dog's going to kill me. I remember saying it. Yes, um, it, it's funny now. And my host mom, she got the dog and I was saved. I didn't die. And the next day we were watching um, a show on TV. And I remember I was sitting on a rocking chair and next to me was my host brother, my host mom and the dog. And they were sitting on the floor and, and my host mom, she was petting the dog. And I don't know, um, out of somewhere, it just occurred to me that I should go and sit near the dog. And I started petting it. And the dog looked at me, Gladys, my dear dog, my, my best friend, I should say. She was such a wonderful friend. I, I really love her. And she started licking my face and then she lovingly put her head on my lap. And that was the time when I was the happiest person on earth because it, it was my fear. And, and at that time, it was like, okay, I have overcome my fear, one of the greatest fears of my life. And that was the time I thought to myself, okay, my mom and my parents, they should see me here because they would be so happy for me. And I was really proud of myself because it just happened in two days, in 48 hours. And Gladys, our dog, she, she actually became my best friend here. And we lost her after one month in, in a car accident. And that was really sad for me because she was the first dog who was so close to me. And I, I love her. She will always be there with me in my memories. And I'll always love her. For me, like coming to America is like was my dream, and uh, I used to watch NBA games with my dad and friends. It's like one of the best things that like we spend our free times. So finally, I came here. I tried for JV basketball team here, and I worked really hard, like doing push-ups like 400 times a day. And finally, that first day came. I went to the court, and I was so nervous. Also, I was so excited. And in first one minute. I made one three-point shot, and in another one minute, I made three-point shot, and next uh, two minutes, I made another three-point shot, and finally, I went to the bench, and my coach hugged me, and he said he's proud of me, and I realized that, like my dad and my pr friends and my relatives was there. They were there. It would be like the best moment of my life. I played three sports in my school. My second sport was wrestling. And actually, I was the first girl to wrestle in Chino Valley High School. How did that begin? 
people are asking me, what do you want to play? Like, what's your next sport we want to do? Because, you know, exchange students do want to, like, experience as much sport as they can. I was like, I still don't know. I'm thinking about basketball, maybe softball, maybe. I don't know. And then I thought about wrestling. I was like, oh, I've never done wrestling before. I don't even know if we have wrestling in Morocco. It's like, no, wrestling just for boys. We don't have um, a girls team in Chino Valley. It's like, no way. We should make one. Like, why not? Why? Why? Just give me, like, one example. Why can't girls wrestle? Like, no, there's no way. So I spent two weeks. And I was looking, um, do girls wrestle? Are, are, there, are girls able to wrestle? Why cannot girls wrestle? And all that kind of stuff. And I had found no reason. I mean, girls do wrestle and there's nothing to stop them. So I went to talk to my coach. I was like, coach, I love you because we played soccer and he was a really good coach. He inspired me in a way that I couldn't do a sport besides wrestling. And I said, I do want to re- wrestle this year. And he said, are you sure? We don't have any girls on the team. I was like, coach, this is my exchange year. Like my only year that I could wrestle. I would have no chance, no other um, opportunity to wrestle. I started wrestling. The first week, the first the the first two weeks were really hard. Not seeing any girl around me, not seeing any just me and boys, and wrestling's kind of like weird. So what I decided to do was talking to girls about wrestling. Hey, I think you should wrestle. Hey, I think you're strong. You're super strong. I think we should wrestle. So I made up a team for of six girls in wrestling, and that was my history in Chino Valley High School. Like the first girl to wrestle for Chino Valley High School, and to make up a team of Chino Valley. I did great. I made it to uh, sectionals. I first wrestled two boys because the first two weeks I was the only girl. I wrestled two boys and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I gave up. I can't wrestle boys. I lost in like 30 seconds. After that, I was thinking about like girls wrestling. Why can't girls wrestle? So I talked to my friends at school. Hey, we should wrestle. And so I lost so many matches. So, so, so many matches in like two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. But I never stopped. My coach was inspiring me. He's like, hey, you did this. You begin this. Never forget about that. It's not the end of the world. You will make it someday. And so my first win, it was, I will never forget about my first win. Like the, that feeling you have when the referee, like, um, put your hands in the air. It's like, Sarah, you won. And people are clapping. And my friends are coming to the, to the man, hugging me. That was that was really amazing. I did good. I, make it to, I made it to sectionals. But I was fourth. So I didn't go to state. But for me, that's the biggest win, the biggest win ever. And so for the banquet, where all the parents were with their kids, where everyone is watching you, where your coaches are really proud of you, proud of your what, what you've become. I walked in, like everyone with, was with their parents holding flowers. I was by myself. And I remember how my mom back home encouraged me to do wrestling. She was like, go for it. I encourage you. There's, that, that's something you will never do. And then in that moment, I, everyone stood up for me and they said my name. Hey, this is Sarah from Morocco, the first girl to wrestle in Chino Valley High School. Without her, we would never have a girls wrestling team in Chino Valley High School. And I was like, my heart was like running, like beating so fast. And my coaches were hugging me and everyone was crying. I was like, I wish my family and friends were here to see me. So back home, a school is very competitive. We focus a lot on academics. Like sport is not a big deal. It is just a class, basically a gym class that we have once a week. Most of the students would just skip it to study a little bit more. It's not a big deal back home. And when I came here for some reason that I totally don't know, I decided to run cross country. <laughs> One of the hardest things. I remember for the first two weeks, 
everyone would be running eight miles a day and I would die after two miles. And then I think three weeks after that, we had a race. We had a meet in my school and it was a 5K, which I think 3.1 miles, kind of. It was my first real race, I would say marathon since I had one back home and I went there with my friends. It was kind of a happy run thing, but my friends and I just decided to stop in the middle of the marathon and had ice cream in a cafe and then (laughs) finished running. (laughs) So that was my first serious one. I remember waking up in the morning. I was so stressed. Uh, I had to eat like some bread and proteins and no milk because otherwise you would not be able to run well. And I was stressed for the whole day and we had to prepare with uh, the friends and then cheer for the teammates who are running before us and stuff. And then we went to warm up and I was so stressed. And then we started the race and it was the longest time of my life. So basically my coach was there and before we started running, he was like, you're gonna see me after each mile. So I would know after the first mile that here, I'm like almost, halfway through and then after the second one oh I'm basically done but I kept on running and running and running and I never saw him because I skipped him like I didn't see him when I finished my first mile and then my thought was oh my gosh why is that so hard this is not what I this is not what we did in practice this is like super long right now (laughs) and it wasn't October I think it was super sunny super hot I thought I was gonna die I was like okay fine now I'm gonna be dead and I will never see my mom again (laughs) so yeah but then I don't know how I kept on running I was like okay let's see worst case scenario I would walk while walking is like the worst thing you can do you can never walk I remember getting so tired and then people started on like passing by me I was like no I need to catch up with them but then that could never happen like my body is not functioning anymore functioning anymore I saw my coach and he was like what are you doing you have only one mile left and my expression changed completely because like I was thinking that I was that I didn't even finish the first mile, but then I was more than halfway through, and then I zoomed and I passed like 50 people in front of me, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have all this energy left. What am I gonna do with it?" Because I was saving my energy at first, and I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> and then I zoomed. And then I passed a lot of people, so it was just so cool. And then uh, my host parents were there, and I didn't know that they were coming, but they came like to cheer, and they were taking videos of me running, and I was, <laughs> I was almost crying at first, but then I was. <laughs> and then my coach came, and like he gave me a hug. He was like, I would never expect that, and that was just like an awesome feeling. And I thought, oh, if my parents were around, that would be great just because it's not something that I would do back home. It's something that I will never forget. friends and my family knows me as a person who doesn't really likes doing anything extra especially that involves nature and going outside and something dirty here I've changed in every single way I've known myself 
a little bit over than a month ago, I went on this trip to Hawaii and we did a lot of extremely outgoing stuff, including nature, that I never thought I would ever do. And one of the most memorable ones was the firm volunteering service that we did. We went to this local firm and helped the farmer to push the mud together to make the rows that were needed for the plantations. So we basically were thrown deep into the mud, pushing this dirt all over the place. And I would never ever imagine myself doing something like that. For sure, my friends or relatives would never think that Alex or Ako would do it. So I thought that this is not me. I remember myself six months ago, I wasn't doing that. I would never even touch anything dirty, but now I was standing in the mud right to the throat. So I was kind of proud of myself that I left my comfort zone and saw something different. And it's amazing, but I really enjoyed it. You would think that it's dirt, who would enjoy standing in there. But the time, the people, the place, everything just was perfect. I, I realized that living in your comfort zone might be a little bit uncomfortable, but in the end, it changes the ways you look at everything. It changes the way you appreciate the stuff you have. Sometimes you need to leave your comfort zone to see who tru you truly are and to progress and develop as a person. So Wednesday evening is traditionally an energizer evening, and we were leaving the office. Everyone is dead tired. We're, we push it. The schedule is hard. And we're walking down the street and thinking of what games are we going to play. And we get to the park, and we lead a few games. But then Tom looks at me, and he says, we should get ice cream. And so we, we organized the students and we walked down to Georgetown. And of course, as a big group, it's, it's pretty hard. It's like, it was it's Wednesday evening, so there's not a lot of people, but you take 33 people to one ice cream place and the line is long, <laughs> no matter what. So I ended up breaking off with a group and we walked back up and around and backtracked and we were, ended up at Georgetown Scoops. And it was just the five of us from five different countries and we're getting ice cream and crepes and they were really excited to finally sit down and talk with each other. And it was a little round metal table and one of the girls is blind. And so I was describing the evening to her. I was telling her, oh, there's Christmas lights in the bushes. And she's asking about, you know, the buildings. She's like, they're all brick, right? And I'm like, yeah. And it's, they're all kind of together and painted in different colors. We're sitting there talking. And I realize we, we start talking about friendship. And we talk about our expectations and what it's like to live in America. And I was sharing with them some things about my own life, about being friends or finding friends and what that was like for me at their age, their wisdom and their insight into those situations was just mind-blowing. And I remember looking up at the sky at one point and seeing the stars and just kind of feeling this night air and realizing there is absolutely nowhere else in the world that I want to be right now. I want to be with these students sitting here just talking over ice cream for as long as I possibly can. And I am the luckiest person in the world to get to be sitting here and talking with them in this moment.
2233 is produced by The Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of The Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, we heard from students from all around the world who were in Washington, D.C. as part of the YLET, or the Workshop for Youth Leaders in English Teaching, which is implemented by American councils. These students were specially selected from students in U.S. high schools as part of either the Kennedy Luger Youth Exchange and Study or Future Leaders Exchange, respectfully known as YES and FLEX. For more about YLET, FLEX, YES, and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. Please subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts, and we'd love to hear your feedback. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. Special thanks this week to Alexandre, Aram, Sarah, Zainab, Maritina, Anastasia, Bayer Yavichlan, and Ruby for enthusiastically sharing their stories. I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Sylvester and Greyleaf Window by Blue Dot Sessions, Rachel by How the Night Came, and Moving On Up, Log Jam, and Stuck Dream by Poddington Bear. End credit music is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time.